You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lux presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Ronald Coleman and Greer Garson in Random Harvest. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Consider yourself a motion picture producer for a moment. You've just been handed the best-selling novel of the year, and it's yours for a picture. You have all the ingredients for a hit, and it would take Superman to live up to what everyone expects. That's what faced the men who brought James Hilton's dramatic story, Random Harvest, to the screen. They had two great stars, Ronald Coleman, with the longest record of success of any artist in town, and Greer Garson, fresh from her Academy Award performance in Mrs. Miniver. But when the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer production, Random Harvest, reached the public, it surpassed even the advance promises. And tonight, we present the original stars of the picture in this haunting love story of a soldier who lost his memory and the girl who helped him find it. Ronald Coleman has just finished Kismet at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. And Miss Garson's latest picture, Madame Curie, is that studio's candidate for the Academy Award this year. And it was made by the same producer-director team responsible for Random Harvest, Sidney Franklin and Mervyn Leroy. Tonight's play goes to our fighting forces overseas by short wave. And if a certain sergeant in New Guinea should be listening, we wish to thank him for the following lines of verse which appeared in Yank Down Under. That's an army newspaper published by and for enlisted men in the Southwest Pacific. Here's the bit of G.I. verse. Somewhere out west, in the endless blue, where the ocean and sky are of similar hue, a ship and a crew wait to enter the fray, to fight for the good old American way, to fight for a hot dog and Lux toilet soap, for picnics on Sunday and bottles of Coke, for sodas and milkshakes and drive-ins and stuff, for popcorn and movies and bills on the cuff. We'll sweat and we'll push through mud and through heat, We'll sail her through hell and never be beat. And the star of peace will shine someday. Then we'll all go home to the USA. <laughs> Sergeant Jack Stanton is the author. And it makes us very proud that one memory of their homeland that the boys want to come home to is Lux Toilet Soap. Now for them and for you, we raise the curtain on the first act of Random Harvest. Starring Greer Garson as Paula 
and Ronald Coleman as Smithy. From the records of the Melbridge County Asylum, Melbridge, England, North... 1918. Patient number 43652. Name unknown. Identification none. Picked up by Germans in a shell hole near Arras. Exchanged through Switzerland. Patient's memory is affected. Has no remembrance whatsoever of past life. Troubled with speech, the result of shock. Prognosis could be cured with patience and care in normal surroundings. On the night of November the 11th, 1918, this patient escaped from the Melbridge Asylum. He hadn't escaped. Not really. In the excitement of the armistice, the iron gate of the asylum had been left open, and he'd wandered into the town like a lonely ghost, buffeted by the crowd. I was at the tobacconist's shop when he came in. When the proprietor spoke to him, he tried to answer and couldn't. He stood there, confused and helpless, like a child who begs to be understood. Well, close the door. Close it, please. Well, what is it? I... I... Well, oh, come on, I haven't got all night. C- cigarette? Well, well, what sort? Uh, c- cigarette. Oh, why, you're one of the soldiers from the asylum, aren't you? You're... Uh, oh, it's all right, dear. Have a nice look around. See, I'll be back in a jiffy. You are from the asylum, aren't you? Aren't you? Yes, but I... I'm all right, really. Well, if you had given them the slip, I wouldn't stay here. She's telephoning them to come for you. You'd better run along. Come on. Yes, I... Honey! He stumbled into the rain, trying to find a way through the crowd. On a sudden impulse, I followed him. He'd stopped to rest by an iron gate. He was exhausted, his hands held over his face. Can I help you? I thought you weren't feeling too fit, so I followed you. Oh, you look tired out. Yes, tired. Well, how about a brandy and soda? I'm going to have one. Should we go over to the home pub just across the road? It's where we all stay when our show's in town. It's, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's friendly. Come on. Will you have another? Will you? Uh, no, thanks. All right. Well, uh, I must get over to the theater. Now, what are you going to do? Oh, dear, what, will you be all right? What am I to do with you? Uh, I be all right. Are you sure? Listen, how would you like to see the show? You can sit in my dressing room. We'll have a nice little chat, just you and me. Good? Good. Well, how would you like my costume? Or don't you? Uh, I... Yes. <laughs> now, tell me all about yourself. Why'd you give him the slip up at the hospital? You don't like the place? No? Oh, well, then surely you ought not to be there. Come on. Answer me. Make an effort. Uh, I'm... I'm all right, really. It's my speech. Just nerves. Well, there, now, you see. You're doing splendidly. Uh, you don't know what a, a job I have as a rule. Oh, I can guess. I heard you up at that tobacconist shop. Uh, there's another thing. I, uh, I've lost my memory. I uh, don't even know who I am. You mean you... Oh. Well, I know who you are. You're somebody awfully nice. What did they call you at that place? Smith. Uh, that, that, 
Not my real name. What's yours? Paula. Paula Ridgeway. Look here, Smithy. It can't be good for you up there among all those poor souls. You can't be happy. Are you ever going to get better if you're unhappy? Perhaps I shouldn't be very happy anywhere just now. But, Smithy, the war's over. Doesn't that mean anything to you? I suppose it should. No. No, of course not. You couldn't. Oh, Smithy. Oh, I'm just silly. Don't take any notice. It's, it's the day. So splendid for most of us and so sad for some. Well, never mind, Smithy. We've met anyway, haven't we? Yes. Haven't you any friends? Any parents that you can trace? Some people came to see me at the hospital. But I... I wasn't their son. Oh. Oh, I bet they were disappointed, weren't they? Yes, I... I think so. I was, too. I'd have liked to... to have belonged to them. Oh, Smith. You're ruining my makeup. And how you do chatter. Yes, I... seem to have talked rather a lot. Oh, that's me. I always bring people out much too far sometimes. Oh, you're on. All right, Sam. Smithy, look, I'll put your chair outside. You can see the front of the stage from there, and I'll be back in a couple of shakes. You'll be all right, won't you? Fine. You sure? Oh, your head seems awfully hot. Not ill, are you? No, I... Oh, come on. Come in. Come in. I left him on the balcony outside the dressing room. When I came off the stage, I saw him at the foot of the steps. He'd fallen, unconscious. This uh, flew all right. The minute I seen him, I knew he had the flu. Did you call the doctor, Biffer? Yes, but I'm running a hotel here, Paula, not an hospital. Listen, Biffer, there's something I ought to tell you. He's... he's from the county asylum. No, cool. But he's all right, really he is. He'd been discharged if he'd had a home to go to. Oh, you don't think they'll come after him, do you? I, I'm all right. It's just my speech. I can't remember. Rest now, Smithy. You mustn't talk. I, I'm not like the others. I, I can't go back. If I go back, I, I'll never come out. I, I'll be like the others. I. You shan't go back, Smithy. I won't let you go back. Rest now. Rest, Smithy. Go to sleep. Come in. Well, hello. Hello. How did this show go? Oh, splendidly. The last night. Glad to get rid of us, I expect. How did you get on? I... I talked to the chambermaid today. Had quite a chat with her. You did? Wonderful. What about? Um, the weather. <laughs> Paula. Yes, Smithy? You're sure I can be useful? Your manager isn't just taking me on because you asked, asked him? Oh, good gracious, you don't know Sam. No, the whole thing was his idea. I can't tell you what it means, Paula, to be someone again, to be wanted. It's all you're doing. Oh, you do run on. No stopping you once you've started. Come on, you've got to eat your supper now. I'll go down to mine. I'll be up again in time for the train. Goodbye. Goodbye. I didn't know, but they were downstairs then, the men from the asylum. When I came back to Smithy's room, he was sitting on the edge of the bed, waiting for me. His things were packed in a little paper parcel that he held on his knees. He was smiling. It's, it's time, isn't it? 
I'm all ready. Smithy, I've got to talk to you. Oh, there's nothing wrong, is there? Yes, there is. I won't beat about the bush. Sam won't take you. Won't. Won't take me. There were two men from the asylum in the bar just now. They told everybody about your escape. Sam thinks it's it's too risky to take you. I, I think perhaps he's right. Oh. I think perhaps you should go back to the asylum. Until you're all well again. And then we can... Go back? Oh, Smithy, you need care. You need doctors that understand your case. I feel dreadful about it, but it's for your sake. You do understand, don't you? You don't think I've gone back on you? It's not that I'm afraid. It's because I think it's right. They were all against me, all of them. They couldn't have made me do it if I didn't think it was right. You do know that, Smithy, don't you? Well, tell me. Tell me you understand. Tell me, Smithy. Well, let me hear you say it. Smithy, what's the matter? Oh, you could always speak to me. Speak to me. I... I... Oh. Oh, Smithy. I... Oh, no, don't try to tell me. I know. You can't go back there. You're coming with me, Smithy. Everything's going to be all right. Don't you worry. We can't go with the others, but we'll find some quiet place where you can rest and get fit. Hurry now. We slip out by the back door. We took the train that night from Melbridge to Cornwall. Near town, we found an inn beside a lake. It was like the end of the world. Quiet and lonely and lovely. Isn't it wonderful here? Now all you have to do is to get well. You will get well, won't you? Oh, say it. Let me hear you say it. I, uh, I will. That's the spirit. Oh, I, uh, I had to tell a woman here that we were engaged. Uh, you don't mind, do you? No. for you. I've been fishing. Did you catch anything? No, just fishing. <laughs> Look, a letter just came for you. I'm simply dying of curiosity. Look, it's from Liverpool, from that newspaper. I say, so it is. Must be about that article you sent me. Yes. Yes, I suppose it could be. Well, for goodness sake, Smithy, open it. All right. I say it's a check. I don't believe it. Let me look. It's a small check, but it's a check. Oh, Smithy, how wonderful. Yes, it means an awful lot. Uh, you didn't know you had an author on your hands, did you? Of course I did. I'm really not a bit surprised. Do you think I can sell another? Another and another and another. Smithy, I wonder if you were a writer before... before the war. Yes, I've wondered that, too. Aren't you terribly curious? By the past, I mean. Supposing it all came back to you suddenly, and it was, what I know, awfully grand with all sorts of wonderful people. <laughs> you might even be married, Smithy. Who knows? Nonsense. Well, how can you be so sure? Well, because... Uh, Paula... Mm-hmm. Paula, I wonder if I could make a living at writing, a regular income, be independent. Well, why not? I could help. I'm getting quite good at typewriting. Paula, it, it's a lot of nerve, but I'm... I've fallen in love with you. Oh, no, you haven't. You're just being a little gentleman. No, I, I'm nothing of the sort. I'm asking you to marry me on a, on a check for two guineas. Smithy, don't ask me, please. I might take you up on it. I'm just that shameless. Oh, Paula. Oh, I've run after you from the very beginning. You know I have. 
I never let you out of my sight since I first saw you in that little shop. Never do it, Paula. What? Never leave me out of your sight ever again. Oh, Smitty. You do mean it. You... You do want it? Really? More than anything else in the world. My life began with you. I can't imagine a future without you. Oh, I'd better say yes quickly before you change your mind. It's yes, darling. We were married in a little church at Clevedon. There was just a vicar and his wife and a choir from the village. I remember the words of the hymn. Oh, perfect love, all human thought transcending, lowly we kneel in prayer before thy throne. That theirs may be the love that knows no ending, and our forevermore does join. bought a cottage, a lovely dream of a cottage with a white picket fence and the front yard a blanket of white from the cherry blossoms. It was in that house just two years later that our son was born. Good morning. Are you the registrar of births for Clinton? And vicinity. Well, I've dropped in to register a new subject. Name of child? Smith. We're calling him John. After me. My wife thinks he's the image of me. Really? And the date? Of course, he has her eyes blue. And when he smiles, he's just like my wife. Except for the teeth. Well, you can't expect everything all at once. <laughs> what did you say the date was? Uh, November the 6th. Don't you want his weight? No, thank you. Eight pounds, three and a half ounces. <laughs> Bigger and stronger than babies twice his age. Uh, father's profession? Uh, writer. In a small way, of course. Writer and parent. A parent in a big way. That will be all. All? Yes, thank you. Oh, but you, you, you can form only a very inadequate picture of him from what I've given you. Well, I'll have to struggle along. I'll, I'll bring him in in person one of these days. Do that. Then you can see for yourself. Uh, do I get a receipt? You do. Here it is. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll bring him in. Do that. <laughs> Hello. Smithy. Oh, did I? Did I wake him? No. <laughs> I brought him a present. Here, son. Will he know it's a cat? Smithy. I'm Mrs. Smith. Do you remember me? <laughs> Do I? What's so wonderful about that fellow? He just eats and sleeps much of the time. He's not even friendly. Never occurred to you to buy me a present, did it? Never. Except these. <laughs> just a string of beads. Very ordinary. Oh, I adore them, darling. But they're just the color of your eyes. <laughs> You're an awfully nice color scheme, darling. Your hair is like a bright new penny. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, yes? Yes, I'll tell them. Oh, that must be the vicar. May I go in? Hello, vicar. Come in. Good morning. How are you, Mr. Smith? Very well, thank you, vicar. And uh, the air? Well, take a look. Hmm, quite a size, isn't it? <laughs> Bigger and stronger than babies twice his age. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh, um, I was at the post office just now. There'd been an extraordinary event. A telegram. No, really? How very thrilling. Who got it? You did. For Mr. John Smith. Here you are. For me. Probably someone congratulating you on becoming a father. Is it Smithy? Is that what it is? Smithy, aren't you ever going to tell me what's in it? I, I can't believe it. It's fantastic. Oh, darling, please. I can't stand it another second. Uh, it's, it's from Liverpool. Can you appear at Mercury office at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning regarding permanent position on paper? 
Samuel C. Henson, editor. Oh, darling. Oh, Smithy, how marvelous. It's, 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 it's incredible. Can you appear at Mercury office at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning? Of course you can. Goodness, you're a terrible packer. Shirt, sock, tie. Mm-hmm. May I ask what you're going to sleep in? Oh, great, Scott. Pajamas. <laughs> Here. Are you excited? Wildly. Well, think what it means. I'll be able to do things for you. Things I've always dreamed of. I wish I could come, too. Yes, I've been thinking of that. But I daren't wait. He might change his mind. Darling, you're not worrying about me, are you? I feel absolutely sure of myself. I know. I shan't worry. It's just... I know. Our first parting. Mm-hmm. When will you be back? Tomorrow night. Eight o'clock train. Where will you stay? Oh, I hadn't thought. The Great Northern isn't bad. It's near the station, too. Have you got your key? Yes. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye. And say goodbye to our son. Goodbye, young fellow. Goodbye, darling. See you tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Good luck, Smithy. Mercury, Piper, sir. No, thanks. Hey, uh, can you tell me, I'm looking for the Mercury office. Right across the street, down the corner. Across the street? Oh, I see, yes. Thank you. Piper! Hey, look out! Oh, look at him, Mr. Coker. Get it up, he's been run over. Oh, he's killed, he's killed. He stepped off the curb. I was talking to him. He stepped off the curb. There's an ambulance, quick. Coming around now. Feeling better? Oh, you've got an unholy bump there. Looks worse than it is, though. Do you feel any pain? Well, my head aches a bit. It'd be funny if it didn't. What on earth? My... my clothes. Well, this is all wrong. I've no business to be in cities. What should you be in? In uniform, of course. I'm on active service. But where the devil am I, anyway? You're in Liverpool. In Liverpool? A chemist shop. But in Liverpool... You I... had a nasty shock. Is this the party had the accident? Yes, Constable. It wasn't my fault, Constable. He slipped in the mud right in front of my chair. Is that the right of it, sir? That's the truth, ain't it, Governor? I, I think so. I'm not sure. Uh, can I have your name, please, sir? Rainier. Charles Rainier. Rainier. Uh, profession, sir? Captain in the Wessex Regiment. Address, please. <laughs> the trenches, Ara. I... I beg your pardon, sir? Well, Random Hall, North Random, sorry. Uh, thank you, sir. You don't wish to lodge a complaint, sir? Thank you, no. I'm sure whatever happened was my fault. All right. Thanks, Mr. Rainier. Thanks, Governor. Well, I think I'll be getting along. Thank you. Sure you feel strong enough to walk? Oh, just a little dizzy, but I'll manage it. Oh, uh, what do I owe you? Oh, never mind that. Oh, very kind. Thank you. By the way, would you mind telling me what day is this? This is Thursday. Thursday, yes, but the, um, the date? November the 14th. November the 14th, 1920. 1920. Oh. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye, sir. 1920. Three years gone. Three years. Thanks. I remember this thing Vincent was killed. Young David what after that? Liverpool? What am I doing here? Better go home. Yes, make your things up. Go back to Random Hall. The family. Better go home.
few moments, Mr. DeMille presents Ronald Coleman and Greer Garson in Act Two of Random Harvest. And now, a young soldier and his girl. I sure hate to say goodnight, Mary. It's late and I do have to get up early, Jim. Never mind, dear. We'll see each other tomorrow. Oh, but that's a long time off. Oh, gosh, I'm a lucky guy to have a girl as pretty as you, sweetheart. And a few minutes later... Oh, goodness, it is late. And am I sleepy? But little Mary mustn't neglect her beauty care. I want Jim to keep right on saying he likes my look. So now for my luck so special. It's easy and quick. Turn on the water. Cover my face with plenty of nice, creamy lather. Work it in gently, but thoroughly. Rinse with warm water. Then splash on cold. Pat dry with a soft towel. Now when I touch my skin, it feels so fresh and soft. And it is. Well, the musical effects are extra, but there it is. The Lux Soap Beauty Facial clever girls everywhere depend on for gentle, protecting care. Care that really leaves skin softer, lovelier. In recent tests, actually three out of four complexions improved in a short time with daily Lux Soap facials. Famous Hollywood stars say these facials with Lux Soap's rich, active lather do wonders for the skin. Why don't you try them? Ask for Lux Toilet Soap tomorrow. And if you find your dealer is temporarily out of stock due to wartime conditions, he's sure to have more soon. Remember, Lux Toilet Soap, Hollywood Beauty Soap, is worth waiting for. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Act Two of Random Harvest, starring Greer Garson as Paula and Ronald Coleman as Smithy. I waited for Smithy in our cottage in Clevedon for days and weeks. Then I knew he would never return. I went to Liverpool to the hotel where he'd stayed. His group was there, but there was no trace of him. I went to Melbridge to consult Dr. Bernay at the county asylum. I believe I can guess what's happened, Mrs. Smith. In some way, perhaps by shock, your husband's memory has returned. He's taken up his former life again. But his life with me. We're married. We have a child. Those years are a blank. His life with you is forgotten. I always felt someday I'd find him again. I worked and studied to prepare myself for any circumstances. I found a position as a secretary in Liverpool and then moved on to other jobs in other cities searching for him. It was later that I saw a picture in a London newspaper. Charles Rainier, it said, head of Rainier Incorporated, one of England's industrial magnates. It was a picture of my husband. Yes? Miss Kitty Chilcott is here, Mr. Rainier. Oh, send her in, please. Hello. Hello, Newton. I suppose you don't remember my telling you I'd be busy. Not a word. Well, how do you like me? My dear, you look adorable. Then adore me over luncheon. Sorry, Kitty, can't afford the time. Oh, yes, you can. Miss Hanson says so. She says it'll do you good to get out of this stuffy office. Just a moment. Uh, Miss Hanson. Yes, Mr. Rainier. 
Owing to lamentable weakness of character, I'm having lunch at the Savoy. With your approval, I understand. I thoroughly approve. You do? I guess I do, Mr. Rainier. <laughs> there. Have I any appointments for two o'clock? Yes. Can you postpone them? Yes, I can. Thanks. All right, young woman, I can give you precisely one hour and a half. From door to door. Oh, no. Miss Hanson told me two hours. Come along. A cigarette, Kitty? Please. You're being very charming today, Charles. You haven't looked at your watch once. Oh, that reminds me. Say, it's just on three. You used to say that you hated business. Did I? Mm. You were just going to whip things into shape and then get out. You were going to write. So I was. You know, I always had that idea somewhere in the back of my mind. You could try. Yes, I suppose I could. What? Charles, what is it? That man over there at the other table. Do you know him? No, but I thought I did for a moment. That happens sometimes. I see a face or hear a voice. It seems to remind me of something. A sort of wisp of memory that can't be caught before it fades away. From those last years? Perhaps. Now, what were you saying? That you should take a holiday. I haven't the time. Oh, that's nonsense. You could make the time. How old are you? <laughs> None of your business. You're awfully nice looking, Charles. Thank you. Oh, it's not fair. What? You spoiled me for other men, that's what. Oh, kiss me. It's no secret, is it? I've always been mad about you. Family used to tease me about you. <laughs> Might be fun if you love me now. We're a lot alike, you know. We laugh at the same things. We have marvelous times together. I sometimes wonder why you don't. In my slow and careful way, I've wondered sometimes, too. Well, why don't you, just to be curious? I haven't said that I don't. Oh, no. Would it be too incredible? It would be fantastic. Then it is fantastic. But I don't believe it. I don't believe that you mean it and that you go on meaning it. it. It's just a dream. No. You do want me. I'm not just a schoolgirl to you. Darling, you're very sweet and dear to me. I'm... I'm building a great hope on you. I shall come to the office tomorrow and, and find you've forgotten all about it. <laughs> I'll have Miss Hanson remind me. Oh, Charles, darling. Take me out of here. Take me somewhere and kiss me. Uh, yes, Miss Hanson? I have the Rainavite prospectus, Mr. Rainier. Oh, yes. Bring it in, please. Yes, sir. Miss Hanson. She was Mr. Rainier's private secretary. She'd been with him three years. He used to say jokingly that he couldn't get along without her. I wanted to tell him so many times that I was Miss Hanson. I went to Dr. Benet, the only one who knew my secret. I pleaded with him to let me tell Charles. You must wait, Paula, until he recognizes you. I believe that in that locked chamber of his mind... There's a phantom memory of you that will always stand between him and any other woman. But he can't give you reality. You're just a fugitive shadow of a dream. That isn't much help to me, is it, Doctor? I'm... I'm real. These are real tears. My jealousy is real. And I need... I need for him. But if you tell him and he doesn't remember, there's only disaster for you both. At best, he'd resent you. The shock could leave him worse than he ever was. Yes. Yes, I understand. I can offer you only that frail hope that someday a miracle will happen and he'll come back to you. Not as Charles Rainier, but as... Uh, uh, what was it you used to call him? Smithy. Smithy. Uh, the prospectus, Mr. Rainier. It's all here, I believe. Hmm? Oh, yes, yes, Miss Hanson. I'm sorry. Daydreaming. Uh... 
Uh, you saw this offer from Harwood and Williams? Yes, Mr. Rainey. You worked for them once, I believe. Do you think they're bluffing? I think not. I used to know Mr. Williams pretty well. Yes, yes. I remember he was quite annoyed when you came to me. He called me a pirate. Oh, that's not really fair. It was all my doing. Oh, indeed? I'd heard that Miss Lindy was leaving you, and I made up my mind to apply for the position. May I ask why? Well, a few weeks before, I'd come across a picture of you in a magazine. Underneath it said, one of England's industrial magnets. Oh, dear me. Yes, I was impressed. I decided then and there I must better myself. Well, I'm sincerely glad you did, Miss Hanson. Now, uh, what's all this? Oh, that's the report on that firm in the Midlands. Oh, yes. The Melbridge Cable Company. Melbridge? Yes, it's, it's a town in the Midlands. Melbridge. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I think my brother mentioned it. I'll get him to run down. Uh, I'm taking a long holiday, Miss Hanson. Are you? I think that's a very good idea. I may be gone a year, if things can be arranged. A year? I... I'm being married, Miss Hanson. Oh. You're the first to <laughs> hear the news. I'm afraid it'll mean a lot of extra work for you. It's Chilcott, I suppose. Yes, it's Kitty. Was it so obvious? Oh, no, not at all. She's a very charming girl. Yes, I fully agree. I hope you won't take it into your head to follow my example, Miss Hanson. I don't know what I should do without you. I have been married, Mr. Rainer. You may remember I told you when I took the position. Oh, yes, to be sure, yes. You, you had a child, I believe. Yes, a little boy. He, he died. Oh, yes, yes, I, I'm sorry. A little boy who died. I couldn't tell him it was his son. Too late now to hope that he'd ever remember me. I'd lived on that hope for three years. Now it was too late. Oh, I might have told him that I was his wife. He'd have accepted me, he'd have pitied me, and he'd resent me. There was only one thing for me to do. The law is quite clear on that point, Mrs. Smith. If it is proved that for a period of not less than seven years, no news of a person has been received by those who would naturally hear of him if he were alive... Uh, then he may be legally presumed dead. Uh, you wish me to uh, take the necessary steps? Please. Very well. We shall have the marriage dissolved. What do you think, Charles? Have you any choice? About what? About the hymns to be sung at the wedding. It's your wedding, too, you know. Oh, I'd like anything you pick out. <laughs> do you care for this one, Mr. Rainey? I play it quite often. That night, I've forgotten the word. Voice that breathed or eaten that early spring. Oh, yes, I remember now, but, but then there's another lovely one nearly always used. This, perhaps. Oh, perfect love. Yes, that's it. I like that. Oh, perfect love. All human thought transcending. Lowly we kneel in prayer before thy throne. Charles, do you know the word? I'm not the one. 
Charles, you looked at me just now as if I were a stranger, trying to take the place of someone else. Someone else? Oh, I know it sounds absurd, but let me say it, please. Sometimes, especially when we've been closest up, I've had a curious feeling that I remind you of someone else. Someone you once knew. Don't leave me, Kitty. I need you. I'm trying to make a life. Someone you loved as you'll never love me. I am nearly the one, Charles. So nearly that I shall always be proud of it. But nearly isn't enough for a lifetime. Kitty. Kitty, I... I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. But because I am so nearly the one, and because I love you more than anyone I shall ever marry, will you kiss me goodbye? But where did Mr. Rainier go? I don't know, Miss Hanson. He just left. He asked me to put some things into a bag for him. I don't quite know why, Miss... But I sort of think he may have gone to Liverpool. Liverpool? Yes, miss. It was from Liverpool he came that night that he came back from the dead, you might say. Sheldon, please try to tell me everything you can remember about that night in 1920. What did he tell you about what had happened to him? Well, miss, it, uh, it was a wet night. In November it was. He'd been knocked down by a taxi and carried into a chemist shop in Liverpool. He knew that much. But why he was in Liverpool or where he had been before, he couldn't remember. <laughs> I went to Liverpool that night. I found him in a hotel room, alone. Come in. Why, Miss Hanson? Please forgive me for coming. We were all so anxious. And uh, something very important came up. How did you know I was in Liverpool? Something Sheldon said. I made inquiries. Oh. You say some important business induced you to follow me? Yes. Sir Edward Lake, Member of Parliament for West Lytham, died on Monday. There'll be a by-election. They'd like you to stand as Liberal candidate. Did Sheldon tell you of my... my experience here about 12 years ago? Yes. Yes, he did, Mr. Rainier. I came back here at that time, hoping to stumble on the trail of my past. But I failed then, and I failed now. Nothing helped you? Nothing. Why should I feel a sense of loss so acute that... That, that it's spoiling your life? Oh, I'm not being honest with myself. My life's not complete. And I've hurt others. I don't know why I bore you with my affairs, Miss Hanson. You feel perhaps that you lived in Liverpool? Mm, it seems possible. But not certain. You mean I might have been visiting the city? Well, you might have come in from a nearby town or from the country, perhaps on business. Yes, perhaps. And stayed at some hotel. Do you know in what direction you were walking when the accident happened? Yes, I checked that. I was walking down Mason Street. Was wet. Well, there are two hotels north of Mason Street. There's the old Olympic and, and the Great Northern. The Great Northern, eh? Yes, it's quite a distance from the Olympic, so if it was wet, the chances are that you were coming from the Great Northern. Yes, presuming I stayed at a hotel at all. But under what name was I registered? Well, there's just one chance to find out. If you were at a hotel, you walked out leaving unclaimed luggage. Uh, would they keep it so long? Oh, it's worth investigating. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you came, Miss Hanson. You've given me a fresh hope. We'll start with the Great Northern. There was some luggage at the Great Northern. A single grip covered with labels and the name on it, John Smith. It was his grip, the one I had given him. We opened it and looked through it together. Well, that settles it. John Smith. A highly unimaginative incognito. And what could be more anonymous than those poor rags? Nothing seems familiar to you? No, 
There's a finality about that most unrewarding find like a door slammed and bolted. I... I'm not sure what you mean by that. It means that I shall learn to accept myself for what I am. A psychological detective. As Kitty saw me. As you must see me. It means that... that I shall never know. After a brief intermission, Mr. DeMille returns with Ronald Coleman and Greer Garson for Act Three of Random Harvest. And now... Let's listen in for a moment on a young man in a romantic mood. How sweet you are, how sweet you are, how dear your tenderly smiling face. How sweet you are. Thrilling words said so often to the girl who's a luxe girl, the girl who's lovely to look at, nice to be near. The girl wise enough to know that everyone responds to that very feminine charm of perfect, exquisite daintiness. She's found her complexion soap, Lux Toilet Soap, is a beauty soap more ways than one. I always use Lux Soap as a bath soap, too. The lather's extra creamy, carries away every trace of dust and dirt. It leaves my skin fresh, really sweet. And Hollywood screen stars, too, are enthusiastic about their Lux Soap beauty bath. Charming Irene Dunn has said, I love the delicate fragrance Lux Soap leaves on my skin. Why not make a Lux Soap bath part of your daily beauty routine? It's a delightful luxury. A luxury you can enjoy and still be thrifty. For Lux Toilet Soap is hard milled. That means each satin smooth cake can be used down to the last thin sliver. These days, when it's patriotic not to waste soap, that's important. And here's another little tip to save your Lux Toilet Soap. Moisten the leftover piece and press it onto your new cake. And always put your beauty soap in a soap dish that's dry. Now... Mr. DeMille returns to the microphone. We'll have a very personal chat with our stars after the play, but now the curtain rises on the third act of Random Harvest, starring Ronald Coleman and Greer Garson. The door to the past was shut and bolted forever. There was no chance now, no hope that he would remember me. I stayed on as his secretary because I couldn't live away from him. I was with him through the election, took his seat in the house. I was there the day he made his first speech. Hello. Nice of you to come down for my debut. Was I satisfactory? Oh, very. By the way, I haven't really thanked you for your help in the campaign. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm glad of that. Very glad. You were staring at me, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, it just struck me. Your hair is bright red in the sunshine. Oh, is that all? You were looking so intense. Was I? Did you ever have those feelings of having lived through certain moments before? You mean you have the feeling that you've known me before? As a matter of fact, I felt it quite strongly the first day you came into my office. Oh? Was that why you engaged me? <laughs> Perhaps. But it was also your air of quiet efficiency. And Miss Hanson, forgive me, but... Is there any possibility that you might marry again? Not the slightest. I'm asking you because... I have a proposal to make. It may sound outrageous to you, but it's not a sudden impulse. I, I thought it over very carefully. You and I are in the same boat. We're both ghost-ridden. Oh, that sounds a bit dramatic, but, but I think it expresses it. We're prisoners of our past. Yes. What if we were to pool our loneliness and give each other what little we have to give? Support, friendship. I'm proposing marriage, Miss Hanson. <laughs> or should I call it a merger, if you know what I mean. I'm good at mergers. But a member of Parliament should have a wife, Margaret, so I'm told on all sides. 
You have exceptional gifts. Would it interest you to have a wider field for them? I... I don't know. You, you need have no fear that I would make any emotional demands upon you. I have only sincere friendship to offer, and I won't ask any more from you. Please think it over. It's a selfish proposal, but I... I, I can't have you giving me notice, you know. I'd be lost without you. Uh, Miss Hanson. Uh, Margaret. Have I hurt you? I don't... I... <laughs> this comes of boasting that I never cried. I married Charles Rainer. I don't know what I expected. Perhaps that he would someday fall in love with me. But I kept to the terms. And Charles did, too. It was Sir Charles now. Sir Charles and Lady Rainier, who appeared together at the opera, who gave dinners at Random Hall for the Prime Minister. Sir Charles and Lady Rainier, a very devoted couple, people said. Good night. Good night. Well, that's over with. You certainly mellowed the Prime Minister. He was positively purring when I put him into the car. Oh, nonsense. Good heavens, it's nearly three o'clock. You have two committee meetings tomorrow, you know. Today? It's the morning of May the 25th. Does that suggest anything to you? The anniversary of our wedding. Our third anniversary. I uh, thought you'd like this. What is it, Charles? Your anniversary gift. Nick? Oh, Charles. All my gratitude goes with it, Margaret. Oh, it's too beautiful, really. Oh, you're so amazing. Will you put it on for me? Of course. Yeah. There. How do you like it? Lovely. You know, you're a very beautiful woman. Thank you. I rather hoped you felt that. Margaret, are you happy? Why do you ask? Oh, twinge of conscience. If I hadn't interfered in your life... I should never have been Lady Rainier and entertained the Prime Minister and warned these enemies. Is it enough? Perhaps not. Is there anyone else? No. Charles, why are you asking me? Well, if there were... I've often wanted to say this. I wouldn't hold you to our bargain. I haven't the right. Are you trying to get rid of me, Charles? Oh, you know. You know I'd be utterly lost without you. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Because I like my job. Well, good night, Charles. And thank you for the wonderful present. I cried that night. I sat at my dressing table and cried. In front of me, there was another necklace. The one he'd given me long ago. There were no emeralds in it. Yes? Oh, oh come in, Charles. Margaret, I'm afraid I... Why, you're crying. Did I say something to hurt you? No, it's nothing, really. <laughs> Just nerves. If there's anything that I can... Oh, what's that? Another necklace? Yes. A very old one. A gift? Yes. He said, said he were the color of my eyes. They are. Aren't they? Margaret, isn't there something morbid in burying one after the dead? That's a strange thing for you to say. Is it? You haven't even a memory. No. And yet the best part is your capacity for loving, for joy in living. It's buried in a little space of time that you've forgotten. It isn't quite the same thing. Why not? Because in some vague way I still have hope. Yes, I say that. Is... Have you, Charles? Would you think that 
really with someone, that someday you may find her again? Margaret, it's, it's nothing I can put into words. But doesn't it frighten you sometimes? But you may have come so near her, even, even brushed by her in the street. Yes, I thought of that. You might even have met her, Charles. It might be someone you know. Charles, it might even be me. Oh, Margaret. Oh, of course I know I'm talking wildly. Charles, I somehow thought I'd like to travel. I think I need a, a, a change and a rest. Uh, to travel? Yes, you know, I've never been out of England. Well, perhaps when the whole house adjourns... Oh, I don't want to drag you away. I'll, uh, I'll take a maid or a friend, perhaps. Margaret, I believe you want to get away from oh, me. No, no, it's just that it's, it's been rather a strain. It's been harder than I thought, being the wife of Charles Rainey. If you wish, of course. Shall we talk about it in the morning? In the morning, yes. Good night, Margaret. Good night, Charles. <laughs> I think this is my compartment. Yes, it is. You're having only two days in the country? Yes. Yes, my boat sails on Wednesday. And it's on your way this place? No, it isn't really. Just a quiet little country village with a delightful old inn and a cottage that I, I want to see again. A cottage? Yes, I, I was once very happy there. Well, goodbye, Charles. Margaret, I wish you weren't going. Uh, will you let me hear from you? Oh, of course. Goodbye. Are you going to the house now? Uh, no, to the office. There's some trouble. Oh, It'll seem strange not to talk it over with you, Margaret. Goodbye, Charles. Goodbye. So, Charles? Yes? Oh, hello, Harrison. I, uh, I took the liberty of coming down for this strike. You know, it's, it's pretty serious. Strike, eh? The Melbridge Cable Works. The men are out of hand. Melbridge. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, perhaps we'd better run down there. Yes, sir. Exactly the place I'd choose to live in. Shall I uh, get a cab, sir? No, let's walk. Enough far to the station. Very well, sir. Fog is getting thicker. Yes, beastly. Have you a cigarette? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, never mind. There's a little tobacconist around the corner. Yes, sir. I, I thought you said you'd never been in Melbridge. I haven't. But you said, there's a little tobacconist just around the corner. Hmm? You said, there's a little tobacconist just around the corner. Well, so there is. You see, over there. Yes, but that shop is off the main street. You couldn't have seen it on your way from the station. No, that's true. Well, then, how did you know of it? I don't know. I... You, you seem very sure you came straight to it. Yes, I was sure. But I don't know how. Melbridge. What's the matter? Melbridge. Are you ill, sir? Let me get a cab. No, no, no. Let me think. Let me think. There's something that... That, that, that shop. The, the street. The crowd. Oh, there's a taxi. I'll get it. Taxi! The crowd... Yes, sir? Here you are, sir. Get in. A driver, where is the hospital? Hospital? You mean the old one or the new one, sir? The old one, I think. Big gate. A high wall all around it. You wouldn't be meaning the asylum, would you, sir? The asylum? Take us there. Look here, sir. 
you say you came out of these gates? Yes, I'm sure of that. There was some excitement and a great deal of noise. Then, then let's start from here. Now, you must have gone into town. Yes, I, I did. Well, perhaps as we go, you can piece things together. Yes, that's right. That, that's a good idea. I, I came along this path and walked toward the town. There was a good deal of fog, like tonight, and, and people shouting. And the sound of... I, I was trying to get away from something. Trying to escape. There was some danger. I was afraid. And I, I went I went to that shop, the tobacconist. Why, you're one of the soldiers from the asylum, aren't you? The asylum? I was right. I, I came from there. Now, you left the shop. Where did you go? I don't know. The, the crowd... The... Can I help you? Wait, wait. A girl. There was a girl. I thought you weren't needing to fit, so I followed you. Yes, a girl. Well, I know who you are. You're somebody awfully nice. There's a place for soldiers that's sick. Some quiet place where you can rest and get well. I can't go back. If I go back, I, I'll be just like the others. Oh, Smithy. Never leave me out of your sight. I'd better say yes, quickly. It's yes, darling. It's yes, darling. It's yes, darling. Harrison? Yes, sir. There's a cottage somewhere. It's a white cottage with a white picket fence. It's near a church. You can see the steeple through the trees and hear the bells ringing. Could you... Could you find the place, sir? It's in Clevedon. Paula. How did you know? I've been looking for you for such a long time. Such a long, long time, Paula. Smithy. Oh, Smithy. Oh, darling. I've found you, Paula. Oh, darling. I've found you. memory of random harvest will linger long in our hearts, thanks to the artistry of Ronald Coleman and Greer Garson. And they're still in the spotlight as they step forward for a curtain call. Thank you, C.B. And once again, we're, we're grateful to James Hilton for a fine story. Mr. Hilton has quite an extensive connection with this group. We first saw Greer Garson on the screen in his story, Goodbye, Mr. Chip. And of course, Ronnie discovered Shangri-La and Mr. Hilton's lost horizon. And Gary Cooper and I hope to discover it in the story of Dr. Wassell. Mr. Hilton worked on that, too. I suppose, Greer, that in Shangri-La, everyone would be sure to, uh, to use the right kind of soap? Well, I'll be on the right track here, C.B. You know, when I first came to Hollywood, one of the familiar things I saw at the studio in the dressing room was Lux soap. I'd been used to having it in my theater dressing rooms in London and at home, too. So I was very happy to see that it was popular over here as well. Now, if we had you before a television camera right now, we could illustrate why Lux is so popular. By the way, Ronnie, your next picture, Kismet, is one of my favorite plays. I suppose in the first scenes, you are the Arab beggar? Yes, and brother, could you spare a dime? 
Arms for the love of Allah. And arms for the love of American children. Yesterday was the birthday of the President of the United States. And each year on his birthday, the nation contributes generously to the March of Dimes. Dimes and dollars to wipe out the horror of infantile paralysis. Contributions may be sent directly to the President at the White House. And we, uh, we should be able to remember the address. Uh, perhaps some of our listeners have already seen Greer Garson in a short film on this subject. She's chairman of the Motion Picture Division. Or should I say, uh, Chair Lady Greer. Well, either way suits me, Mr. Dingell, as long as the money comes in for the youngsters. Well, you can count on the 30 million that gather around this microphone on Monday night. Good. Have you picked a play for next week yet, Mr. Dingell? We picked one right hot off the screen, Greer. The current universal hit, His Butler's Sister. And our stars will be Deanna Durbin, Pat O'Brien, and Robert Page. This is Deanna Durbin's newest success. And it's in her, in her very best tradition. A gay romance with the added charm of Deanna's lovely singing. And next Monday night, Pat O'Brien and Robert Page will join her at this microphone. We'll all be joining you for that, Phoebe. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Random Harvest brought us a bumper crop of entertainment. Our sponsors, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Deanna Durbin, Pat O'Brien, and Robert Page in His Butler's Sister. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. Tonight's play were Ray Lawrence, Ed Harvey, Gloria Gordon, Eric Snowden, Fred Warlock, Charles Lung, Joe Gilbert, Vernon Steele, Dennis Green, Charles Steele, Richard Nugent, Norman Field, Alec Harford, Joan Loring, and Thomas Mills. This program is broadcast to our fighting forces overseas by International Shortwave Radio through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. Our Lux Radio Theater production of Random Harvest has come to you with the good wishes of the makers of Lux Toilet Soap. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers, and this is your announcer, John N. Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear Deanna Durbin, Pat O'Brien, and Robert Cage in His Butler's Sister. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.